0: and been talking about that you know that we're all going to leave behind a legacy and and uh, you know i think the uh, kind of the older you get the more you realize that uh, our time here on earth is short right uh, the 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 psalmist uh, especially the old testament talks over and again that that our time here is like like the grass of the field like the like the flowers in the field we're like grass we, you know we're here one day and the next day uh, we're gone uh, just like grass is seasonal our lives are seasonal and uh, and, you know, you, you start thinking about the impact that you're leaving or the legacy that you're leaving behind, that you're leaving behind. And um, so, you know, we leave a legacy every, kind of everywhere we go. We, you know, you'll leave a legacy at your work. You know, one day, one day you and I will all leave our work and we'll retire or whatever and go on and, and people will hopefully miss us there, Right. Um, You'll leave a legacy at your school. You know, you'll hopefully one day graduate if you're on the four-year or the 14-year program, whatever. But you know, if you've been there 14 years, they're really gonna miss you if you're that long getting your uh, getting your degree. Uh, And uh, you know, at work or at school. But but there is no larger legacy. There's no greater impact that any of us has than the legacy we leave in our own home. Amen. True. Yeah. The 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 legacy that we pass on to our children and, and, and the legacy that we pass on to our grandchildren. Not, well, I've been talking about it over and over again, but you know, um, none none of us are complete. None of us have it all together, and so you know, there's good parts of our legacy that we're going to leave behind, and there's some bad parts too. It's kind of like uh, you know, I'm I'm redheaded and fair skinned, and obviously, Brendan and I have done a fantastic job of press, you know passing on the redheaded genes uh, in our family to our children. Um, however, it comes with that, right? Is uh, uh, you know, you know, kind of pasty white skin, painfully, you know, pasty white skin, and uh, and the tendency to sunburn, right? So, uh, so it's good and bad, right? There, there's good and bad in all of us, and and there is no such thing as a perfect family, um, and even in a, even in a family, and I hope that you're in your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children. I hope that you're better today than you were five and ten years ago. You know, I, I hope as we all progress as believers, I hope as we all grow to be more and more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that things are better um, and that we're better and changed people than, than we have been in the past. Amen. I hope as the Lord does His, His work of sanctification and change, transition our lives, um, that we're becoming people that are more and more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is His goal for us. Amen? Amen. Um, so Jamie read out of Ephesians, and that's where we're going to be this morning, um, and talk about legacy. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote a number of his, of his epistles, um, he, he framed them, he ordered them such that, um, that, 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 um, that he would spell out what Jesus Christ has done for you in the beginning of the, the first chapters, and then he would end with, and this is how it should change your life. Right? And so, um, you know, Jamie read this part, and it was absolutely perfect. He read this part that was talking about where, where Paul says, I kneel before the Father. So here he says, I'm, I'm praying for you. As, as he was there writing in Ephesians, we believe under house arrest. And even at, there under house arrest in Rome, if that's where he wrote it, where we, we believe he did, is that even there, he said, I kneel before the Father because I want you to know something. I want you to know, I want you to grasp how long and high and wide and deep is the love of, the, of the, Lord, uh, the love of God for you. And he, and he prays for them. But, but you'll notice this in all of his letters. He prays, he, 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 he tells them and he teaches them and he, and he uses metaphors and he explains to them in very great detail. And he says, I pray for you. And what he, he says, I desire two things for you. One is, I want you to grasp what Jesus Christ, what the God the Father has done for you. I want you to grasp that. And the second thing that he desires in is, is this. And he says, and I want your life to be changed by it. First, so first, I want you to grasp it, but then I want it to change things in your life. I want, to, I want it to have an impact in the way that you live, right? And so that's how Paul writes most of his letters. The very first part is, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And in the back of his letters, he's, and he writes about how, and this is a change that it ought to make in your life, in your home in your relationships with other people, your attitude, right? Yeah, this is, these are the change that it should make. So, so he's got this desire. I want you to grasp what Jesus has done, and I want it to change your life. Um, so anyway, he'll write all kinds of things. At the first part of, of Ephesians, he talks about how, how God predestined us, and, and he did all of these things for his glory, and he, he brought about unity, and he brought about peace, and he brought about forgiveness, and, and God the Father showed his great love for us uh, by giving his son for us. And then he says, And therefore, so this then is how you should live. You should live in unity with each other. You should live in peace with each other. You should forgive each other because you've been forgiven. You should live in peace because you've been bought peace by the Lord Jesus Christ. You should live as people of God because you've been adopted into his family. You should live in purity because God your Father is holy. Over and over and again, he says, because of what Jesus has done, if you'll grasp it, it'll change your life. Amen. Has that been true in your case? been true in my case. The more I grasp, the more I capture and get and, and reflect on and spend time in the Scriptures and spend time in the presence of God, the more my life is changed. Because so fantastic, so majestic, and so beautiful is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that it has to have that kind of effect. It has to change your life. Amen? If you get it, if you really grasp it, I don't mean just read it and, and move on, but if you really grasp what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, it will change your life. That's why we think it's important, right, that that we have quiet time, that we delve in and we think about every day what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, and then we get up from there and pray that our life is changed. So just give you something a little to take with you here, understanding what Jesus has done for me transforms how I live. Yeah? If I understand what Jesus has done for me, it'll transform the way that I live. That's the goal, right? The goal is not that I would just gain, gain greater knowledge of the Scriptures and that I can win at Bible trivia, right? The goal is that I can understand greater what Jesus Christ has done for me, and it would change my life. It, it'll tran- transform your life. If you'll grasp and comprehend what the Lord Jesus done has done, it'll change your life. That's what we really we're talking about today. That's the, that's the whole setup. That's the whole reason that we come together, and the whole reason that we talk about family is, because of what the Lord Jesus has done for you, it ought to change the way you, that you relate to your family. That, that's why we're here today talking about that. If it wasn't for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, then all this talk about family, it really doesn't matter. You just live however you want. You do whatever you want. Get, get whatever out of it that you can. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, it gives us motivation to be and to do different people, to live and to react to people in a way that would be honoring and pleasing to him because he's done such great things for us. Amen? And then too, I don't want to I don't want to I kind of I was thinking about this as I was preparing, but ultimately, you know, Jesus Christ has passed on a legacy to us, right? He's passed on a legacy of holiness and righteousness and peace and, and the way that he we, he treated people in love and caring, the way that he, he treated people, and ultimately he's passed his legacy on to you and me. And what he asks us to do, every one of us, he calls us to, he says, Now you live as I lived. You carry out my legacy. You are the legacy of Jesus Christ on the earth, yeah? Now you be a legacy to your family. You be a legacy to your children. You pass on the legacy that I set for you and you live that way. So the way that Paul would start talking about family relationships, and he kind of ends he kind of ends this passage in chapter uh, this first, well he kind of starts in chapter four, and then he kind of ends with this with with talking about living in purity in your life, living with purity in your life, and he kind of ends that with saying this, and then he transitions to family. But in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-one, he kind of makes this transition to talk about living in wisdom and living in purity and and, and distancing yourself from the from the, um, from the impurity of the world. And he ends it all and starts this, this whole next discussion in chapters 5 and 6 um, by saying this in chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now, there's a lot of confusion about what this word submit means. The word in, in, uh, in Greek is, is uh, uh, hypotasos. hypotassos. Yeah, I don't use that often very much myself. Um, but it means, you know, the word hyper means above. The word hypo means what? Below. And so what this idea is, is it's putting something under. Right? Hypotassos is to put something under. And it means literally it that, that means to take my interests and put it under someone else's. To take my my needs, to take my rights and to put them under someone else. Okay? To say someone else's needs, someone else's rights, someone else's interests are more important than mine. I'm going to treat them as though they're more important than mine. So I'm going to take my interests, my rights, my needs, and I'm going to put them under yours. And he says this to the church now. He's talking to them. He says, submit to one another out of reverence, to Christ. That means that when it comes down to my interests and your interests, I'm supposed to take and I'm supposed to put your needs over mine. It, within the church body, we're supposed to be doing this for each other. We're supposed to be considering each other, giving each, each, each other preference. I'm going to treat you preferentially to the way that I treat me. I'm going to treat your interests in a way um, uh, that is higher than my own uh, let me. Sometimes it's easier to explain what these things mean by saying what they're not. What, this is the opposite of a haughty attitude. Right? This is the opposite of an attitude that I'm somehow better than you, right? That it's the opposite of haughtiness. It's the, it's the opposite of pride. But it's also the opposite of selfishness that says, I want to get my way no matter what, right? That, that's the opposite of submission. Um, which is what we don't want, right? which we don't want in the church, and that's not, not the kind of people that we want to be. And the reason we don't want to be kind of that kind of people is because that's not the kind of person that our Savior was, our, our role model, our example. Jesus Christ himself, in, a, in ways, he submitted himself to his Father's will. He put his own will underneath his Father's. He took his own desire, and he put it under his Father. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, and he said, Father, what if there is any way for this, pa- this cup to pass for me, let it be. He, he was saying, Father, I don't want to suffer like this. And, but then he ended the prayer and he said, what? What? But yet not my will, but yours. Right? And so he said, so Father, your will is higher than mine. This is what I want. I don't want to go through the suffering. But, but if, if, if that means obedience to you is, is through suffering, then I'm going to take my will. I'm going to put it under yours. And if you want me to suffer... On behalf of these people, I will suffer on their behalf. Jesus Christ modeled submission to us in the most extreme way. He is our example. He's our motivation and our inspiration. Whenever we think about submitting to each other, it's usually on some very minor detail. Jesus Christ submitted himself to death, right? You and I have trouble submitting in order of preference, right? We do all the time, right? It's very difficult for us to, to submit, to put someone else's needs in front of our own. It's very hard for us because we're built with that selfish, sinful nature, and it makes war against what, we're trying to do, what God's trying to achieve in us to bring about a humility and a submissiveness of attitude toward each other. But we've always got that war inside that says, no, I want what I want. I, I, I don't want it this way. I want it that way. And it comes, comes across this way all the time, and it's, it's a constant battle in, in, in us, isn't it? But but listen to what he says, and of reverence for Christ, because Christ himself has done so much for you, because he submitted his will under his Father, and he suffered on your behalf, submit to one another, right? Now, notice what it doesn't say. Because that person deserves it, submit to them. Because that's a person so much more important than you, submit to it. It doesn't say that. It says do it because it's the right thing to do in relationship to the Lord. The Lord Jesus says, I'm the one that submitted to you, now you submit to him. You submit to her. You put their will, you put their desire ahead of your own. And in that way, here's the great thing. In that way, we are modeling and carrying out the legacy of our great Savior, and he gets glory when his people act like him. Are you with me? When we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, God is honored because he is demonstrating that he has conquered that selfishness and that sin in his life. And, and basically, when you and I step up and we actually submit to someone else, we consider someone else's needs more important than ours, and we reflect the glory of our God. He points to us and says, ah, yeah, that's my son lived down in the life of this believer. That's my son lived down in the life of this person because they're following my lead. They're following my legacy. So let me um, let me make it real simple for you. I think one of the things we heard this in Promise Keepers actually this last year. This man would this this gentleman would come and I apologize. I tried to look up his name. I couldn't find it. But th- this man came and, and he said, "I always want. always ask my, my family two things. He he says, I always ask my wife and my children two things. The first thing is, what do you need from me, and the second thing is, how am I doing." I think that's brilliant. Basically, what he's saying here is, is he's asking a question: What do you need from me? In other words, what can I do for you as your husband, or what can I do for you as your father? And the second thing is, how am I doing? Give me feedback on how I'm doing with something else that we've talked about in the past, so that I can know how to do better. Right? I don't know about you men, but women are a mystery. Right? I've been married to one for 21 years. I still don't understand her. So I have to ask her all the time: What is it you want? What is it you need from me? Because um, it seems different from yesterday, right? So, uh, right, <laughs> that was funny, wasn't it, babe? Yeah, that was good. I like that. I'm gonna have to write that one down. It's, it's, forgot my pen. Um, yeah. So, but all the time, <laughs> you're right, buddy. So, but all the time, right? We need to be asking. I, I think that's brilliant, and I think that's something that we can all do, and we all should do for each other in the in the church family as well as our family at home. What can I do for you? How, how can I, and, and not to put it in ways, that, I mean, this sounds too spiritual, if you said to this, they would think, okay, here we go, you're being a little too spiritual. How can I serve you is the question really, isn't it? What can I do for you? What, what can I do that, that, that demonstrates that I, that I want to live like my Savior does? I, I want to put your needs ahead of my own. I, I want to live in such a way that I consider you more important than I consider myself because that's the way that our Savior lived. Um, and out of respect of Christ, we do that. Listen, let me, let me t- here's the next slide here. If you are truly following Jesus, you will be a servant to others. In other words, yeah, you will be a foot washer if you're going to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, you're going to want to serve people because that is what Jesus Christ did, and that is how he lived. I have to remind myself all the time. Matter of fact, it's one of the reasons I bought this and remind myself of this. This is a, a bracelet I bought at, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, Thank you. Well, look, everyone knows but me. Um, It's not the first time. It says I am second. It helps remind me that that I'm not the most important person. It helps me to remember that no matter where I go, whether I'm at work or whether I'm at home, whether I'm with some other family, I'm second. I'm supposed to put them first. If if I'm following my Savior, if I'm being like, if I want to be like my Lord Jesus Christ, and I do want to be like him, although oftentimes I'm not, I, I have to put them first, and I come in second. Yeah, what can I do for you? Men, ask your wives, what can I do for you? W- wives, ask your husbands, what can I do for you? Ask your children, as your dad, what can I do for you? What, where am I, what, what can I do? And this works much better when they're teenagers than when they're like three. You ask a, teen- you ask a three-year-old, what can I do for you? They'll say, well, you know, cookies for dinner, right? But they're, it's better when they're older. Yeah, then it gets a little more, well, you know what I need, dad, is something a little more mature than that, all that. Um, let me say this too. As you as you have grown as a believer, as, as, you, have you, as you've come to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and this starts happening in your life, listen, that's a miracle. Are, are you with me? That, that is God's activity in your life. That, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, the, that's a change of heart and a change of mind and a, and a war and a battle won against your sinful nature. And it is a radical, beautiful change in the life of a believer. Amen. And so, listen, I, I want to make this a big deal because, listen, this is a big deal. Are you with people in your workplace who want to make everything about them because they're not very mature, they've just not grown out of that? Or, or maybe they're not believers and they don't have that, that, um, that desire to conform to the Lord Jesus Christ and to be like him, and they remain in this immaturity where everything's about them. You, you ever had a boss like that? Yeah, you ever had a boss like that who was, yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, it's all right. Um, but you ever had a boss like that who was like, well, it's all about me, it's not about these people. Listen, in, in, in the scriptures, the leader is the one who serves, not the other way around, right? Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week, so I won't steal my own thunder. But, um, but it, it, it is a radical, beautiful change in the life of a person when they first start to put the needs of someone else in front of themselves. Listen, it's one of the reasons I think that God wants us to marry, most of us, most people to marry, is because it's you are going to have to live with someone for the rest of your life. Right? You are gonna have to be in a in a home with them. They're gonna they're gonna probably be sleeping in the bed next to you day after day after day, and you're gonna to have to figure out how to put them first. You're gonna to have to figure out what you're gonna do when you disagree about something and who's going to win. You're going to have to learn about when, whenever you don't feel like you're getting your needs met to still decide to meet their needs. And listen, that change in the life of a believer is a miracle and an act of God in you, changing your character to reflect the image of our Savior. And it is a beautiful, godly, radical change in our lives. Amen? Thank God for it. It's a beautiful thing. All right, let's continue. Ephesians chapter uh, 5, let's, let's read uh, verses 22 here through 24. 24. Wives, Okay, so here's how he starts this whole deal. And this, they're just kind of, honestly, it's to me, it's a little bit of an odd change. He goes from talking about purity and separating yourself from the world and living in purity because you're, you're you know, be imitators of God. Uh, be holy as he is holy because you're his sons. And then he goes into the discussion, submission. And then he goes right into wives submitting to their husbands. So wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. All right, let's talk about that for just a moment. So here specifically, the wife is called on in specifically in this relationship to be submissive to her husband in this husband and wife relationship. And he says, um, he says to do it, he says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you submit to your husband as though he were in the place of the Lord. But again, that you, you submit to your husband out of reverence and out of respect for the Lord. Just like he told us all to do with the church at large. All of you should be submitting to each other. All of you should be submissive to each other. All of you should be putting each other first. And he says here in particular, out of honor for the Lord Jesus' wives, submit to your husband listen in the bible the the man is called in the bible the man is called to be the spiritual leader of the home and the wife is called uh, to acknowledge his leadership to acknowledge his authority in the home i tell you we were Brent and i were having uh, we were going through the mail we got a slew of mail uh, we don't thank god we don't have a lot of debt which i love that means you don't get a lot of bills right um, so, which I love. However, yesterday we got like a slew of stuff and Brenda took all the bills and she you know sorted out the catalogs from the things and she said I love it you're the, 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 the um, leader of what did you say the leader of our home something like that. Yeah, that you're the, you're you're the head of our home and handed me the bills while she was looking through the catalogs, right? So, fantastic deal, isn't it? Listen, but, but listen, you know, we're going to talk about the, kind of the way that this, that this, that this works. But l- let me just suggest this to you. Let me suggest to you what this relationship, what this submission is supposed to look like. Ladies, I think the way it looks like mostly is that it, that, is, that it is a respect. Is, it's a respect of your husband, both with your words and with your attitude. It, it's a respect of your husband with, with your words and with your attitude. Um, the way that you talk to your husband ought to be Respectful. Right, the way that you talk about your husband ought to be respectful. Now, usually we have trouble with maybe one, but definitely the second one. Right, um, the way that you talk about your husband ought to be respectful. Listen, there is nothing worse, and you've all been around people who do it. But there is nothing worse than being around a, a, a woman who is belittling her husband. It, it it's just, uh, it's just damaging. Honestly, is what it is. Uh, it, it's, it's just embarrassing, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. Um, and, and, the, and the bad thing is, of course, you know, uh, we men are supposed to be kind of uncaring and kind of a stoic kind of folks. But listen, you tear down a man's, you tear down and you don't show a man's respect, it, it, it'll take him down a notch. And listen, a man who's being torn down at home will never be the man for you that you need, right? If, if you tear him down, you, you've got to respect a man at a level that you want him to be. You, you know, you, you, if you want a hero, you got to treat him like a hero, Right? Men, is that true? If you want a hero in your home, if you want a leader in your home, you've got you to gotta honor the way, and the way that you speak to him and the way that you speak about your husband, you've got to honor him and respect him that way. Yeah. If you don't, if you're constantly tearing him down, then you're tearing away his confidence. You're, carrying, you're tearing away um, his, his confidence to be able to deal with issues that come up in your home. It, it's not a good thing. That's why women are called. Submit to your husband as to... The Lord, right? I know. You know, I teach this today, and I know many of you are on board, and you've been doing this for years, but I know, too, in our culture today, this seems very outdated. But listen, the way it's supposed to work, and and we had not got to the man's part. That's for next week. But the way it's supposed to work is this, I think. I was trying to think of the way to kind of capture this, to try to explain it a little better. Maybe this is it, is that a woman is submitting to her husband in his place of authority in their home. And so she's submitting to his decision-making and his leadership in the home. In just a, a minute, well, I don't know if we're going to get time to read it today, but in, in, to next week at least, whenever we read, we read it, it's going to say things like, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how is that? He gave himself up for her. So he, here in this way, it's, it's kind of mutual submission, but I, but I don't want to take away from the authority. This, this is important. So in one way, it says that wives, submit to your husbands who have authority in your home who have that place of responsibility in your home, who have that role and responsibility. And scripturally, that role and responsibility falls to the husband, right? And so while she's submitting to the decision-making and the authority of her husband, the husband is submitting to the wife in that he's putting her needs ahead of his. Are you with me? So in one way, the wife is submitting the decision-making and the authority to the husband, and on the other one, the husband is submitting to the needs of the wife and putting them first. And you get this kind of beautiful blending of the wife's needs being put at the head of the husband's and the wife's decisions and the, the decisions of the home uh, where, the, where the husbands are putting ahead of the wife. And it's this kind of this beautiful picture of these two working, what, together in relationship? Yeah. This is where it's described over and over and again in the Scriptures, and we're going to read it at the end of chapter 5, that this is about oneness. Listen, homes need a leader. There has to be one. Someone has to take the responsibility to lead out and to, to take care of problems. Someone's got to be there to provide. Someone's got to be there to protect. Someone has to provide guidance and leadership over the direction of the family. That role and responsibility in the Scriptures falls to the husband. And listen, wives, you've got to let your husband lead. Yeah. yeah? Let me tell you a quick story. Um, when I was in uh, high school, I worked at a lumberyard. My dad and, uh, and a friend of his um, owned a, co-owned a, a lumberyard up in Booker, Texas, where I grew up. And um, when, when, we, when I was uh, just a, a punk kid, we would load up, like, large um, loads of lumber on a, on a uh, what do you call that kind of truck, uh, a, a flatbed um, a 2 ton dump truck, yeah, flatbed dump truck. And so we would load up, you know, large, huge bundles of two-by-fours on this truck, and there would be, I don't know how many pounds of stuff that was. It was, it was thousands of pounds, I guess, of, of, of lumber, 2 by four, sheetrock, whatever, and we would load it on the back of a truck. Well, you know, this 16- and 17-year-old uh, 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 couple of guys or 15- and 16-year-old, you know, we would sometimes take those loads of lumber, and we'd drive up into Kansas to deliver it, Right. Yep, frightening, I know. If you'd have known me at 16, you you'd been like, yeah, there's no way that's going to work out well. But anyway, uh, so, but, but that's what we did. And one time, so it was me and, and the other owner's son, we were working together. And then um, the, uh, they, they hired a, a friend of mine whose name was Randall. I'll never forget Randall. Randall was a little bit crazy. And honestly, Randall scared us a little bit. Um, he was a big kid, but he wasn't all there. You know, I, I love him, but he, he wasn't quite all there. He, he scared us a little bit. So whenever, whenever Randall was operating equipment, we, you know, we were made sure we were like, you know, if he was on the forklift, we were all, you know, way, you know, stand back, give Randall some room. Uh, but anyway, he was a great kid, uh, uh, and uh, his folks in Amarillo are great people, um, but he scared us a little bit back there in the day. Um, so anyway, one day we had to take a, a load up into Oklahoma or Kansas, I can't remember, and Randall said, well, I want to drive. Well, we both fought for the keys, but Randall was bigger than both of us, and so he won. And so he was driving back, and I don't know if you've been to the, to the Texas-Oklahoma border, but most of those roads, you know, have a great big S in them, you know? Uh, I don't know, some sort of correction with a, with a, the with a longitude or something, I don't really know, but there's a, there's a great big S as you kind of go through that that part of the country, and almost all those roads that go between, between uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Well, Randall was driving, and, and Ryan and I, my friend, he and I were, were in the passenger in the middle seat in that two-ton truck, and we were scared to death. And, uh, ran, you know, the windows were down because there was no air conditioning. It was the middle of summer. And Randall was wearing a cap. And he was going down the road, and he was talking to us, looking at us more than he was looking at the road, which, again, scared us to death. But anyway, so he was driving. And, again, we don't trust him, right? And so he's driving. Well, at some point as we're going around the curve, you know, he goes around the curve, and the wind kind of changes as we, as, we, as we go through. And his hat just immediately picks up off his head and blows out the window. Well, he's so distracted by his hat blowing out the window that he turns and he's like looking for the hat while we're going through the S curve, right? Okay, so what happens? We start heading off the road, right? The road's turned and we didn't. Right, So we start heading off the road. So Ryan and I, because we don't trust him, we both of us reach for the wheel at the same time. And so now three of us have our hands on the wheel, and we turn the wheel to the left. Well, of course, when three people are turning the wheel to the, to the left, it's three times the power that you need on the steering wheel. And so we turned it over, and we no, – we didn't turn it over. We turned the wheel over, and we almost turn the whole truck over. I'm not sure I ever told my dad this story. So it, yeah. anyway, anyway, it's all fine now. We, we're, we're all good. So we, we, we turned the wheel and we overcorrected. And then Randall had to then take the wheel and then turn it back to the overcorrection because, you know, we almost went off the road to the right and then we almost went off the road to the left. And then finally we let Randall take the wheel and he and he got us back on the road. But listen, that, that same thing. And, you know, so then, you know, we, we kept rolling and Randall wanted to get his hat. and We told him, no, you can't get your hat. You just need to go. So we, we left his hat. So it's somewhere here between, between Oklahoma and Texas. But, um, but I tell that story to tell this. <clears throat> the last thing you want is two people wrestling for control of the wheel, right? You don't want that in your car, and you don't want it in your home either, right? Someone has to be in charge. Someone has to have authority. Someone has to be the one who's saying, who's saying this is the direction we're going to go. And, and, and uh, if it's any other way, listen, ladies, and I know it, this is very hard, isn't it? It's very hard to give up control, especially ladies, right? I know one of your needs, one of most women's needs is for security. If you don't feel like you're secure in the relationship that you, you have with your husband or if your husband is financially secure in the, in, the, uh, in the way that he's providing for your husband, it's very hard to let go of the wheel and let them have control, isn't it? Very difficult, very difficult. But in the, in the end, here's the deal, is that, we're all leaving a legacy, every one of us, and if you're always arguing and always wrestling over who has control of the wheel, there's going to be confusion, there's going to be misdirection, and you're never going to get anywhere, right? And in your home environment, and, and you know, Brenda and I have had, have had times in our lives, and, and you know, we've talked to Jessica about it because she was young at the time, where there was constant conflict in our home, and, and we hate that now. You know, we look back at that, we, we just hate that, that that was, that that was the environment of our home, but listen... You're leaving a legacy for your children. And God asks ladies, submit to your husband. Give him the right. Give him the authority of your home. And, he said, and listen, what he, what he doesn't say is, say, and trust him. He says, no, trust me. Give him the, the responsibility. Let him take the authority of your home. And you let him, let, let me deal with his, him. We're going to talk next week about the environment that the, that the husband's supposed to set. But in, in the home specifically for ladies, God says, ladies, let go of the wheel. Let your husband lead. Get, let him give the authority that, let him lead with the authority that I've given him. And then you leave him to me as for how he's going, he's going to work in, in, in his part of the relationship. Um, I, I read, uh, it's kind of interesting, I will, uh, I'll finish with this. I'll finish with this. You, you have to work together to leave a legacy, right? You want a legacy in your home of, of peace, of love, of, of a refuge for your children. And, and, you know, we all go into different people's homes. You ever been in someone else, someone's home where there is constant conflict? And you could walk in the front door and you could feel it immediately, right? That's not the kind of legacy you want to leave kind of legacy you want to leave is that warm, welcoming. Things are, things, everyone knows you know, where, where we're going. Everyone knows what we're doing. There's not this constant battle. There's not this constant wrestling over where we're going and where we should go, right? But there's peace in their home. There's love in their home. And there's leadership in the home as the husband leaves and, and, the, and the wife lets him. Next week, we're going to talk about leadership. And uh, I, I think it's funny. I was reading something this week about kind of preparing for this, for this, uh, for this next couple of weeks. And here's what it said. I, I, I love this. It says, the wife gets to submit and the husband gets to die. How about that? So uh, for what we're talking about from uh, God's example in Ephesians as he wrote through the Apostle Paul. So, so uh, let, let's, uh, let's finish up this way. Uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we, as we consider these things, Lord, it, it is so hard for us to submit to other people. It, that just is against our, this sinful nature that we have, That, that just this man- mentality that, no, I come first. Um, and so, Father, I thank you for the work that you've done amongst your people here at Calvary that, that we've, Lord, a lot of times we've learned, not that we do it perfectly, but have just learned to put other people's needs first. And, Father, I just, I just say to you, thank you for that work of your grace. Thank you for that work of the power of your Holy Spirit in us that's teaching us to, to, to live and to act and to be more and more like our Lord the, the, uh, Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for those miracles in our lives. I thank you for the miracles, Lord God, where, where men have submitted their needs and put their wives' needs first. I, I thank you, Lord God, when it comes to decision-making, for, for the wives who've learned to, to submit to their husbands' decisions and to, and to trust you, Lord God, for the outcome. Father, I thank you, and, and Lord, I pray for all of us that you would help us to, to leave a, a godly legacy for our children, that our, that our homes would be a place that would be filled with love and not conflict, fi- filled with peace and not, not wrestling for control. I, I pray that you would help us to, to build homes and, and to build a legacy for our children of a, a place of refuge, a, t- a, t- a place to come that's, that's safe and not a place of constant conflict. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that in all of these things that we can trust you and, and knowing, Lord God, that you have for us uh, something in store for us that is, uh, that is better than what, what we can imagine. And, and Father, sometimes that's hard to see. Sometimes it's very difficult to see because sometimes our circumstances seem to say the opposite. But, Lord God, we, uh, what can we say except we know you and we trust you, and we ask, Lord God, that you would work out the best in our lives just as you've promised, promised to do. Uh, Father, thank you for example. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and He put His needs after ours, and He suffered on our behalf that we might have relationship with You and forgiveness of our sins. It's in His great name and under His great example that we pray. Amen. 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 You'll have a great week. If you'd like to be here between five and five thirty or so for a little big game party, uh, we'll be here be here at Calvary Baptist um, and. Uh,